Right, so it's a bit of a rainy, gloomy Tuesday evening here in Huddersfield, and I'm with Jake Scott from Swift Carbon Pro Cycling. We've just got him after a training ride. How was your ride, Jake? Was it all right? Yeah, a standard, a standard Yorkshire day, I guess you could say, a little bit. Did you get wet? A little bit of drizzle, yeah. Um, and then, yeah, just the standard home firm, up and down, up and down, up and down. And when you get up, it's windy, and when you get down, it's windy. <laughs> yeah, flew both ways, isn't it? Yeah. So what's your kind of training schedule look like at the moment? Because we're obviously, well, we're four days away from the Tour of Britain. I imagine you, you're kind of winding down a little bit. Uh, at the moment, yeah, it's going to be ramping down and all, as of this evening I've done a few few efforts this evening and then tomorrow's just a, a three hour steady ride uh, it's my day off work so I've got a, a few things to do and then Thursday two hours fairly easy travel up to Glasgow Friday pre-race ride and then Saturday to Britain yeah. yeah so do you do you enjoy training around or do you still in Firth? apart from the weather I I stay a lot in home Firth I do. Um, find out if I go. I don't never really go towards Huddersfield just because it gets a bit busier. Yeah. Yeah. If if anything, I'll go sort of out into the peaks or of Strines and then Snakes Pass and then back around something like that. Yeah. Or over to you know Delft way up a mill and then do a loop that way. But yeah, it's never really never really that far from home just because I like I like being in the village, like all the climbs and. It must be good training on the Strines though, because I mean. Yeah, them climbs on the strands. Yeah, are. definitely. Strands is just one of those. It's one of those roads where if you get it on the right day, you never see a car, and it's just so quiet. And the roads are yeah. Since since a few years ago now, they're nice and smooth, and you know since the Tour of Yorkshire. And, I think yeah. they relayed it because was it because of the Tour de France yeah. and the Tour of Yorkshire. Tour de France and Tour of yeah. Yorkshire. Yeah. yeah. So it's a bit of a race tracker on that. It's yeah. Nice and smooth, isn't yeah. It? yeah. It's perfect now. So leading up to the Tour of Britain, what, what's your kind of aims for the race I think I've done two previous Tour of Britain's and the first one was finding my feet the second one was going full gas for the KOM jersey uh, where I did a lot in the breakaway and now I'm a bit like yeah I want to try and do something else rather I think the way that this year is going to like try for some sort of stage result I'm not sure about GC I think take that how it comes and not sure about jerseys. I think it's just yeah, a lot of a lot of ticket as it comes. I'd like to win a jersey, but I don't think it's I don't think it's a be all and end all. If I can get a good stage result, I'd be much happier. Because so. have, have you kind of built up to the Tour of Britain? Because I feel like you you've had some really solid results recently. I think we've always we've always had it in mind, and I think from the other part of the season. I not at the other part from maybe the middle part of the season I guess that we could we could definitely go to Tour of Britain and then I think what I have with races I never I never look too far into them so like with Tour of Britain it's a little bit different because you have to qualify for it but yeah. I never look you know exactly what's going to bring it up I never I haven't changed my training for it because I can't really with the other circumstances but yeah, it's um, it's one of those things where yeah, I did. I haven't changed anything. I just want to keep feeling good, come into it yeah. pretty relaxed, pretty rested, and yeah, yeah and then we'll just take it from there. Well, that's interesting, that because I suppose from the outside looking in, like when I was looking at some of your results recently, and it, it almost looks like there's a natural path of maybe peaking up. To yeah, I think, Britain, but like you say, that 
that's just a bit lucky I how think it happens. From more this this year, it's been a lot more of a mentality change into thinking positive and not going from thinking how do I how do I expose myself to teams, but how do I actually get onto a bigger better team, and that's winning bike races. And although in my previous years in previous teams I always tried to win bike races, I've probably gone about it in the wrong way. And this year it was like, right, how do I actually go about doing that? And I never thought I had to really change the riding style for it. Just realised that I needed to wait longer and not get too excited in the beginning. Right. And then, yeah, maybe use the excitement for the end and then use what I'd use in the beginning in the end. And I guess that, yeah, that happened at the Eastbourne Classic that I won where just kind of wear people down, wear people down, wear people down, wear people down and then hit them. Whereas when you do that in the beginning of the bike race, you don't leave yourself anything for the end. Empty, when yeah. you do it in the end, you end up winning bike races. Simple um, as that then by the sounds of it. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, I wish it was simple, <laughs> simple. But yeah, on that on that day, definitely in Eastbourne, it was like, oh, actually, that's the way I want to win bike race. Solo and into the finish, but I don't need that... Um, I don't need that light. I think a lot of people I would a lot of people said to me after the race like oh, if, if we went down to a sprint you probably had it also because that's, that's the other way that win bike races sprint from, from a small group so yeah it's um, got a few few cars to play I guess you can say and it's just now I've, I think even more after Eastbourne I've come to realise that you know I can I can use them and that makes me more you know if not Everyone knows what I'm going to do, what yeah. what the plan is, and yeah, I'm not the best climber, I'm not the best sprinter, I'm not the best time trialer, but give me, give a dog a bone, yeah. do well, and yeah, then, then I do it. Yeah, my best, my best numbers, and ever, you know, as much as you can have good numbers in training, or say a lot of people do good numbers on the turbo for 20 minute power, mine are all kind of on the road and in race and everything. So yeah, it's that very much kind of enjoy cycling as well so you mentioned there that you felt like you were going about it the wrong way yeah is that just purely kind of in race tactics is that down to experience or was it maybe the training leading up to it was it how you how um, you were training or was it something external the like? easiest the easiest way to explain it is that yeah lots a lot's changed this year with training mentality life in general compared to last year so the best way of explaining it is in previous years I'd have nothing to do for the day and I think I have to sit on the sofa I can't be going doing anything I can't be going doing this can't be going doing that and can't you kind of get into the thing of you can't enjoy yourself and now I'm like hold on I work Monday Tuesday Thursday Friday I make time for people when I need to make time for them I do things when I want to do them, but I fit my training in still around that, and it's made me more relaxed, more aware, more that I've more that I've seen the other side of the life as people who I've also talked to have explained it. That mm-hmm. fact now that if and when I do come back to being a professional rider, that I'm not going to sit on the sofa anymore. I'm not. I'm going to go out and do things and enjoy myself and. Yeah, experience life if you will, but I also now know that the click from the beginning of the year, how it all how it all happened was 
it was a lot of it was nearly three months off the bike last winter and it was it was maybe in stages like I had my tonsils out so I had three weeks off the bike and I came back I was like oh I don't have a contract I can't race because I've still got to recover from surgery and I was like oh just went and pimbled about for a week then took another week off pimbled about for a few days and took another week off pimbled about for a few days and took another few days off and it just kept going like that and it was just getting worse and worse and worse with the sign of no contract coming and little things like oh yeah we can we can give you some kit and you know you can ride and it was to say I was still in Belgium at the time and it was like oh time maybe like, I like the life like, I like the life out there it was pretty pretty cool pretty easy it was like, oh, what do I do? Do I go and get a job out here and stay out here and race some amateur races? And it was like, mm, hold on a minute. I don't. I still want to go further in cycling. And I think in January, I really, I really realised it. So I committed to Swift, kind of Christmas time January, and it was like, it still, I didn't clicked. It was more like, ah, oh, yeah, I'm just. At least I've got a team. At least I've got a team. And I remember that someone was asking me in January, like, Are you sure you really want to do this? Like, you know, have you, having to work and do the way that you're going to do it. Are you going to be able to cope? Dog, family, everything else. And I was like, ah, oh, yeah. And I think there was some people that weren't necessarily trying to push me away from it, but were trying to see exactly that this is what I wanted and make me realise that I'm not going to throw away this year. And it just, yeah, so I just kind of got into that room and I was doing a bit of cross and stuff just to get going again after after a long time off the bike, really. And I wasn't unfit, but I wasn't fit. Like, I was just that pimbling about speed. But I was like, a lot of the lads who I work with, they're like, oh, you never lose. You never lose your fitness. Like, you might have had that a lot of time off, but you're not, you're not 80 kilos or whatever yeah, or yeah. whatever, you know, put a lot of weight on. So yeah, it was like, when and then it was just like waiting for a good feeling and then in training I did a few things which were, yeah, in training, with like doing reliability rides around here and you know, that's basically 100 guys turn up and you come yeah. to finish with a group of 10 or whatever yeah. and through the reliability rides you try different stuff and I ended up going to the, uh, the free RT reliability ride. Someone just said to me, oh, I'll go on then, what are you going to do today? Because I've been going, yeah, they're not a race, but they are at yeah. the same time. And it was like, oh, what do I what do I want to do here? And I think I went for 100k solo on my own. And it was just like, oh, actually, it's a bit random that I've been working a lot this year and still feel quite good. And then it came to the first race and we did a, did a UCI in La Samien. And I've, I've never, it's, I never sort of clicked early season. And especially that going from no racing and the winter to straight into a UCI 1.1 with wind, rain and cobbles. It yeah. was like, oh, this is going to be rough. And it was like, it was a hard race and yeah, there was, there was no result from it. But it was like, all right, okay. If, if the year's going to be like this, maybe I've made a bad decision. <laughs> yeah. um, and then it just got better and I think it came from... Um, it came from just relaxing like I did a bit of mountain biking and that was kind of my first proper race if you will and I went into the expert category but I could just feel punch all day long I was just like oh 
just got to just keep attacking then I can hold it and then let them come back and then keep attacking and hold it and I was like oh, it's going quite good this and then yeah there was there was other points where it was like oh do you want to come and do a road race or do you want to go mountain biking and I always wanted to do um, Hadley Park which where the, where the Olympic course was and that came up as a national on this first day of the national road series so oh, I'm going to go and do going to go and do Hadley Park like, I've always wanted to do it and I think that's where it comes into it more this year that I just relaxed and enjoyed myself and then still I went to Hadley Park didn't get the result I wanted like it was just one of those off days and I was like oh right, here we go again you're back down and it was just always about picking myself back up because the week after we went to France and yeah it was like alright I've had a good week here so now we're pushing into Rutland, Yorkshire exactly the races where I want to be at and then yeah I was just kind of because it was still like you know it's still it's not winter at that point but you're coming out the back end of it and I was still kind of sticking to a plan of you know either turbo on Monday, Tuesday evenings or rest day Monday something like that and then big long ride on a Wednesday and then preparing for the weekend just like tapering up to it or whatever and then Rutland was a surprise with that I wasn't I wasn't feeling bad all day and it was a really strange race and I just came to the finish and it was like, oh, hold on a minute. Like, there's a possible podium here. And I ended up fourth. But it was like, hmm, actually, this is not, it's not, I'm going to say it's not normal, but I was like, it's obviously going well, what I'm doing so far. And it just picked up from there, really. I was like, went into Yorkshire, I was like, right, what do I want from it? Realistically, I could have taken KOM jersey. It's possible. But which way am I going to do it? Realistically, can I get in the breakaway with everything that I'm doing this year? Yeah, of course I can. I've done that in previous years, so don't really, don't really think that that's that's not a possibility either. And then, what's the best to target for getting the breakaway? The points jersey isn't really an option because the stage finish goes to the points, and you get more points. So you could never really win the the points jersey from just being in the break. So is that right? It was, Dimension data jersey, which is it's not luck, but it's you know, it's having people on your side with that vote. And mm. yeah, I was like, I wanted to stand on the podium, whichever way it was, and it came in that. So then I relaxed again, and then it was like the last day, I was like, right, I'll go in the breakaway and we'll go for the KOM jersey. And I just, yeah, it was just one of them things that just ran out of legs, I think, with so you know, four, four days big UCI racing with the level of the field that it was and two French guys from the same team trying to hit me in the breakaway and play games with me it's it's a bit it's a bit yeah like you're always going to be at a disadvantage but yeah it was it was still good it was like oh and then yeah just got to that point of Eastbourne and things coming better and things going better and then growing stronger with mentality yeah Going back to the the Tour of Yorkshire, then what what is it like when you're racing against those World Tour teams? Because obviously there were, there's some British domestic teams in there. Is there a bit of a kind of us versus them? Do you kind of want to stick it to them? Do you work with them and um, off them, or is it with other domestic teams? I think because Tour of Yorkshire is so short, everyone wants something out of it. And when you've got what have we got six six domestic teams in Britain. There's four stages. There's four stages, four jerseys. There's only so much that you can take. Yeah. Everyone wants something from it, but not everyone can get something from it. So it's a way of how do you look about going doing that? 
and it's the same every team manager will say in that race we want someone in the breakaway because if we don't get a jersey at least we've had publicity but that's the way that's happening it's that the smaller teams do go in the breakaway but as we saw from the last day that there was a few domestic teams and a few pro continental teams in the breakaway which was like yeah the, the, the finishing day into Leeds and that was that then is like a bit a bit kind of right everyone really thought I had to be here and I think that's a general thing about Tour Yorkshire that any breakaway you get in it's not that easy to get in because it's just just hard yeah but um, yeah bat- battling I don't know like you're not you're not knocking each other off to get in to get to get somewhere but you can see that it does have an effect of if there's five domestic teams up the road and you're the one that's missed out your manager's not going to be happy and if all the riders in your team aren't happy then there's probably something a little bit wrong because it's like oh come on lads what have we done here today? Yeah. why have we missed that but at the same time it's yeah it's, you can't always be there's other circumstances if World Tour teams or Pro Conic teams want to shut the road down they'll make sure that they do a good job of doing it yeah is it physically the block kind of yeah and it's it's a block and then it's uh, the smaller riders that if if you push through that block it's the risk of taking a high profile rider out or whatever or annoying someone or it goes like that and it's kind of that race etiquette as well when the road shut down you know you shouldn't you shouldn't really be afraid to do it but people are but yeah it's just the respect that people have I guess as well that's more that's more the point the breakaway's gone for the day then they try and let it be that the breakaway's gone for the day and if you've missed out then you probably weren't in the right position to do it at the same time but yeah. yeah at the same time I don't think for a smaller team that you should just give up if, if it comes to a point where you think that you can get across or whatever then do it or try it and you have yeah. to take that risk so. there, were, there were multiple times I think on this year's Tour de Yorkshire when the, the break kind of went and then it came back yeah. and there was just this constant elastic of it was going it's not it's going it's not and then I think yeah. that happened on uh, yeah that last stage in Talese that was because um, I remember sitting Sitting, 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 and then watching. I was like, could take a could take a while to go this today. Mm. And I remembered the calls from the year before. I was like, if it takes a while to go, it's gonna be it's gonna be an hard first hour, and then it just won't stop. And I think the way that they did it at Halifax this year was a lot. It was a lot more deceptive because it wasn't just get to a climb, race up the climb, and then that'll be the breakaway. It was like. There's not really a climb, but there is, and it dragging the plateau and then dragging the plateau and then a bit steeper and yeah, I just remember like sitting there. The first case was just been like what stringing out and there's some tired legs here. I just remember moving up gradually and then basically just riding kind of into the breakaway and pushing on and then we're away. Yeah, but yeah, it's um yeah the the, the domestic scene. Everyone wants to be there. And I think that's as, as simple as it can be. That yeah, no one, everyone realizes what from what you said before that, you know, everyone has sponsors, everyone has team staff that are there doing a job, everyone that should be picked for that race should be there to do a job. So yeah, no one wants to let others down. I guess. Do you feel like that there is a bit of pressure as a rider that when you're there, you're there to perform to them objectives and to. <laughs> A certain extent, but yeah, it depends. Yeah, the, also, the, the main objective is that 
we'll try and get as much coverage from the race as possible I think from from any domestic team whichever way that that is you, you try and do that yeah. so it's it's kind of it's that age old thing isn't it? it's the, getting the sponsors on TV yeah. is up there with one of the objectives yeah do you, do you kind of think that is a problem within the scene of I mean there's a much bigger issue this leads on to of sponsorship and I mean only recently we've seen kind of Wiggins Lacall finishing and yeah. there's so many other teams this seems to be a constant turnover do you ever kind of let yourself think about the system and how it all works or the system is how do you say it politely <laughs> uh, it doesn't work for so and I'm, I'm not sure there's a genuine reason behind it um, if you look back in cycling in Britain there was a boom after Wiggins and that's where it came from and the way I see it now is that Wiggins won the Tour de France Froome's won the Tour de France and then we had that year where Froome won the Giro Froome won the Tour and Yates he won the Vuelta and they won the Vuelta and it's like right, all the British riders have just done three Grand Tours in a year and even after that, it didn't boom. It was like... What else is it going to take? Yeah, so... I think a lot of it came from... I think Olympics is always good. Like, even though it just comes from the team pursuit. Yeah. I think it's always good, and that's obviously where British cycling get a lot of funding from, but... I don't think we see... As continental teams, I don't think we see much funding from British cycling per se. Mm. Obviously, they put the races on, but then... That comes, I believe, from you know organisers themselves and stuff. They have to go to BC and say we want to put this race on, and then British Cycling come with the rules and regulations. Um, but yeah, how do you how do you get crowds and more funding to a British race? Mm. Because there's some races that you turn up to and they're in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. And you'd be lucky if you see a sheep. And that, <laughs> like that's, that's, that's the way it is. And you think, and that does go through your head when you're there. Yeah. You're like, hold on a minute. Teams paid, I don't know how much money to do this race. Mm. Then it costs this much in fuel, then it costs this much in hotels. What do we, what do they see back from it? Yeah. Other than a report on British Cycling saying, yeah. I think it comes a bit better this year with, you know, like, the TV coverage but it's still not I don't think I've actually ever seen it on TV like the only reason I see it is because we have Eurosport on at work nearly every day and yeah. sometimes it, co- it comes up as a half an hour slot on Eurosport yeah. but it's like the other week we did off the other week the other month it was two days of the reservoir the first day wasn't filmed and the second day the TV coverage was split by the men and the women, which is only fair. Mm. And then that means that you get two 15-minute slots. Yeah. There's a lot more racing that goes on, interesting racing, than you can fit in two 15-minute slots. Absolutely, yeah. You're going to get the probably the last 5K of the way yeah. and then that's it, isn't it? So, is it publicised enough? I don't know if that's for me to say or me to argue. Mm. Is there a problem somewhere? Yeah. Yeah. Um... We get the feeling that everyone is just kind of waiting for this sustainable system to. Yeah, someone it's needs just to invent too, it and take yeah, hold of it. Exactly, who, who invents a sustainable system? But yeah. I also believe that it's not all about Britain, and yeah. I think I always will believe that. And 
the thing that that comes from is that Britain really needs a pro-continental team. Really needs something just to say, right, okay, this is it, sustainable, we've got a five-year pro-continental team here. We've got a budget for this, we've got a budget for that. We're not going to be worrying about money. You've got so many riders, you've got so many years to develop, we're not just going to say, oh, one year yeah one year you're out you've got at least two some maybe three years Hmm. and yeah in that five five years you obviously look for a plan to extend it and I think that's what it needs that chance for really British riders to to grow to come from Britain as well like you know you're not going to have a full you could easily have a full British Pro Continental team yeah I don't think it would be a problem but it's not always going to be like that because, you know, teams take certain riders to publicise themselves in certain countries and stuff to get in bigger races and that's the way cycling works, which is yeah. fair enough, like, it's completely fair. But Britain doesn't have that platform. It's, it's You have to go from Britain to France, Belgium, wherever, you know, wherever there's a pro-continental team that will tech riders if they'll take you or you go from continental to world tour if you look at the riders that have gone to continental to world tour there's a, definitely a step of kind of you maybe there's a few people like you know you've got some super talented people in cycling that can do it straight away no issues mm. but then there's you've got them people that you see oh actually they probably missed a step and that's probably where a pro continental team would come better in Britain nice, nice to fill that but then it needs to be you know I mean it needs to be properly it needs a European base it needs yeah budget to right mm. so you live here we're going to fly to this race and whatever or we're going to do everything right so training camps in December training camp in January altitude camp in the year in the middle of the year whenever to get ready for the rest of the season you know stuff like that yeah everything to be operating properly and yeah it need it, it needs to be thought about but if it's ever gonna if it's ever gonna come I don't I don't know because I don't you know obviously Ireland's had aqua blue but that lasted two years yeah and I think like, for me especially I was like definitely had an ambition to go if that team stayed yeah I'd have liked to be in aqua blue definitely like, I don't see why why that wouldn't be an ambition to be on that team with they did some good races they did the, mm-hmm. at the end of the day they did the Vuelta they did a lot of the Belgium classics they did a lot of you know big races abroad which you wouldn't do as a pro continental yeah. team so I don't think yeah it's, it's wrong to have an ambition to be on an Irish pro continental team if yeah. you will well, they, they were getting out there and they had some yeah, big exactly, results yeah. and they were you in know big, what I mean? big events I'd rather have been on that team and had a go than said oh no actually he might not be sustainable or whatever or yeah. I don't see the team lasting because no one knew that that was yeah. going to happen like people can guess and people can say oh you know it's a guy come along with some money and it might last two years it might last three years but yeah. we don't we don't see it as sustainable but that's the outside view yeah. only the person that's putting the money in knows and at the end of the day they make their decisions but yeah it's not don't think you should ever throw away an opportunity just to be safe. Something I personally really admire is the way that like Mitchelton's got have kind of brought the aces through 
over a very very long period of yeah. time it's slowly built up and it's almost like like you say maybe having that long term plan and having the budget it all does come down to the money yeah I think we've if you if you're talking about long term plans with British riders there's kind of two teams that probably do that and that's yeah Ineos and Mitchelton but Mitchelton with the Yates it's because they obviously realise that they had a big talent there that can go on and win a Grand Tour yeah two big talents you know it's yeah. not just one it's two and yeah obviously Ineos do it with the likes of Teo um, Lawless you know winning to Yorkshire this year I mean even Dunbar it's, it's definitely you know they look to the future with them guys and they're not the, I think in that team without knowing exactly how it fully works I just think you know if they say you know you've got the option to stay I think it's a rider that decides that they leave unless yeah they have a few bad seasons and then it's but yeah you don't you certainly don't see riders leaving I think uh, Cunic quick step with James Knox has done quite well as well he's yeah. staying there for a foreseeable future from what I know of Um so yeah I think it's coming but I think it's also performing it's not just yeah you have to you have to be shown I think as well as a, as a British rider as, as any rider really but um, to be making that progression and if it's a progression in results if it's a progression in working into a team result if it's a progression into just becoming a stronger all round rider then you need to be showing it and if you start throwing away an opportunity to to be to do your dream if you want everyone's got a dream of being a pro cyclist and that's why I do it and if you start messing with that and throwing it away for any reason then yeah it's pointless you've been in the world tour or yeah. pro continental definitely yeah. so uh, earlier you kind of talked about your, your mentality changed what kind of key factors changed into you leading to like riding better and, and training better um belief belief in yourself then. yeah belief in that you can actually do something see it and aim for it and yeah, yeah like to be honest I thought this this year I was like it happened sort of a few weeks before I won Bournemouth but I was like oh, I can see myself winning in the next few weeks mm. and I had a few other goals that I was aiming for um, if you go if you go into a general cycling term you know I wanted to stagiar somewhere and stuff like that and I had that I wouldn't say I had the option but I had that thing in mind which was like you know I can do that if I get a good result it's like that's not the be all and end all because I still want to win a race it's like but I could see myself winning in the next few weeks no, didn't know I was going to do it and it was funny like I was getting good results and we stood in the hotel room the night before Bournemouth and I always room with a guy called Pete Williams and yeah we've been on a few teams together so one pro last year and um, back a long time ago when I was at Haribo Beacon which was when I was first year under 23 so it is a while ago um, but I stood there and just put my hands up in the middle of the room and was like oh Pete, tomorrow this is going to be my celebration. <laughs> and he was like, oh yeah, if you could do that, it'd be brilliant. And yeah, it was just like, yeah, why not? And next day, yeah. it happens. And I don't know if that's, yeah. that's seeing it and believing it, or if it's just like... Yeah. Do you, so you do when you, you say you start to feel it, is that a, 
like are you the kind of person who's like quite statistical and right my numbers are looking no. good I'm peaking no. here or are you the no. emotion like do you know what my legs are feeling good I'm, yeah. just, I'm just gonna so I've got training peaks mm. I've got Strava I follow like literally two people on Strava but that's it's Strava's for myself it's not mm. like and at the end of the day you go on segments and there's a lot of people that aren't pro cyclists so it don't really yeah a lot of them don't really matter but then there's a few that are like especially around here with the Tour de France coming through it's like oh it would be quite nice yeah. to get that or whatever yeah. but yeah that's that's not anything to be all and end all but then you obviously have your your numbers from previous years so I've PB'd in everything this year right from got my one minute power tonight funnily enough and that was done last year when I was full time pro so that was my highest my highest last year was yeah yeah, my highest one minute power was last year from when yeah. I was full time pro and now I've just done it tonight after a full day of work got a highest you know everything from one minute power to peak power to 5, 10, 20 just this year no coach full time full part time job if you are I don't yeah. know I, I don't know what you call it yeah it's four days a week but yeah. Where, yeah where do you work then? Uh, Albion so yeah tell us, a bit, tell us a bit about Albion then so start work at half nine finish at five it's not a normal bike shop that's for sure it's it's a lot of, it's a lot of laughs it's yeah. it's a lot of there's never any stress get a lot of freedom definitely yeah um, but yeah we get work done so what are you doing on average day there? You so it's just, it's just, bags, yeah, it's just hammering. Yeah. yeah, it's just yeah, fixing, building. Yeah. Sometimes I, you know, I'm quite happy to admit I'm not the best bike mechanic in the world and need help with little things, but the way it all came around is if we go back to December, it was like that point of, right, where do I want to be? I want to stay in Belgium and see what else what else life has to bring and, you know, I don't, don't really want to go back and live with mum and dad what I'm doing mm. now um, what do I want to do and it was like yeah I want to stay in cycling right got that option here it was going to be I believe the team was going to be something else other than Swift at first right I've got that option there Swift can it, going to be a UCI team can do Tour of Yorkshire right yeah can probably do Tour of Britain possibility if we're going to have to qualify right yeah, I can do some other good UCI races during the year, mm. right? So that's going to put me back in a UCI team on a UCI calendar in the faces of other UCI teams, right? Okay, that's one thing. Right that's direction. one thing mentally sorted. Next thing, right? Hold on, I've got bills to pay, so I've moved back home, Dad. I've got whatever up upkeep to pay, or mm. then I've got a car to pay for. I need to get from A to B. Right, what needs to go in the car? Fuel. Mm-hmm. Right, okay. I've got a dog to look after. Yeah. It's not, it's not a massive bill. But yeah, but it dog food. Um, phone bill. Mm. Everything, little thing like that. And you think, oh, yeah, it's actually not that much. And then I want to save for other things in life. Yeah. So I put money away every month. Right, okay, so I need a job. With, what's the only thing that I can do? Or, you know, I went to school and everything, but didn't really come out of it with going to university or yeah. moving forward from that what's, gonna, what's the thing I can do right worked at Albion walked in there five years ago as a youth before I went to Belgium and asked the guy I work for now can I have a job 
I went, yeah, what can you do? Can you do this? Can you do that? Yeah, I can do that. So started working from over the winter and then, yeah, I guess you could say grew as a friendship, grew as a supporter of me and me of him and, you know, me of the shop and worked out for both of us. Right, what what can we do now that, right, make a phone call. Can I have a job? Yeah, I'll give you a job. How much do you need? Well, I need time off. I need... It's the flexibility yeah, worth more than any, I need, any wage I need, Yeah, almost. I need yeah. X amount to cover my bills. And if yeah. I cover my bills, I'm happy. If I make more a month, then it goes into cycling or saving or whatever. Right, okay, yeah, I can do that for you. But right, I've got a job. And that was like the first two things. Right, mum and dad. Gonna move back home. Yeah, they're never gonna say no, are yeah. they? Right, hold on a minute, can I bring my dog back home? Yeah, alright, yeah. So it's um yeah, those three things kind of fell into place with kind of the last one being, yeah, mother and father. They're never yeah. gonna they realise the ambition that I've got and they've supported me through my youth, through my not wouldn't say financially through my last few years. I did a lot of that through, you know, Dave Rain Fund, yeah. Pedal Potential, um, and yeah, other people's goodwill, if you will. And that was nice to take stress off mum and dad and stuff and uh, stuff away from that. So yeah, moving moving back was never going to be an issue for them bringing him. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, they've, uh, luckily they look, they, look, they look after him, and that's another big thing to yeah. to add to that. It's the normal day goes from. If we look at most days, it's get up eight o'clock ish, walk in with breakfast somewhere either before or after. Come back, it's nine o'clock. I just want to sit down for 10 15 minutes and then work's two minutes down the road, right? Don't really matter what time I'm set off as long as I'm there for half past. And then we have that five, 10 minutes, 15 minutes at work where, right, what do we need to do today? Ease into the day, work up to lunch. We have an hour lunch nearly. It's, it's not it is that literally no stress scenario yeah. where where everyone enjoys themselves everyone realises that it's a job but it's it's yeah we get the work done and we do things right and we do things properly and people don't complain and then yeah you work through the afternoon it's five o'clock five o'clock it's a two minutes drive up it's a two minute drive home come back wash my bottles out if they're not already clean find my kit get my bike out, half past a month road. And it is literally that, I've been home maybe 20 minutes. Like it, it's anywhere from 20 past to half past on the road. I literally don't stop, I don't come down, I don't sit. Because yeah. if I sit, I don't, go, I, don't, yeah. I don't go. Yeah, it's that's like, interesting just, that. I just you start, have the same problem as me. <laughs> yeah, I just start talking to myself, I'm like, oh, so do my legs feel tired? Yeah. Should I do this tonight? And some nights I have it, it's like, it might get to quarter to six or six, where I'll be like, oh, hold on, Jay, what are you doing here? What what do you want to do in the future? What do you want to do now? Are you actually tired or are you just saying, oh, I've had an hard day at work? And it's never really an hard day at work, but it is because yeah. I'm on my legs all day and then it's like, right, I've got to be... I might be sat down on my bike, but I'm still using my legs, yeah, I'm yeah, still yeah. using my body. And... Yeah, that's, that's that. Anywhere from... I think the longest evening ride I've done is like three hours. But then I realised soon, I was like, I can't do that. Because it just, it just, I ended up not pimbling about, 
but just being like, oh, come on, I want to get home, I want to get home, I want to get home. I'm actually hungry now. It's eight o'clock, half eight at night. Is it almost too long to, to yeah. focus on a Yeah, week it's like, then? come on. You know, from if, if I went out straight at five, it's still going to be eight. Yeah. So half, half eight, hold on. When I get back at half eight, I'm not just going to sit down straight away have my tea. It's going to be nine o'clock. So I might as well drop an hour off it, get back at half seven-ish up to eight, eat tea, quarter past eight something like or going up or quarter to eight and then I feel rested and relaxed and a lot of people probably say oh you probably go to bed early then and it's like I wouldn't say early like some night I'll, I'll go in bed and I'll be like oh, it might be you know nine o'clock some nights but I won't go to sleep until 11 because if I don't go to sleep until 11 it'll be like I'm not relaxed I just feel like oh, this day's just been like from on and I think that's the way I've, I've just figured out that if I stick to that kind of that kind of flexibility in my own mind that I can do what I want and mm. there's no one telling me I couldn't I couldn't imagine having a coach this year really yeah I couldn't imagine like someone telling me right you need to go out and do these efforts because I just talked myself out of it I'd be like no you don't I've just had a work day and you want me to go out and then someone analysing my training saying oh actually this that and the other and I don't think a coach will ever tell you that you're going bad but you can understand from a coach that maybe you're not in the place where you're supposed to be so as daft as it sounds I'm quite happy that the blame's all on me this year because if anything goes wrong there's, there's only you yeah it's my issue yeah. it's not anyone else's issue I can't turn around and say you're not training me properly yeah. because the point is that the coach always knows what they're doing but it doesn't work for everyone but now the fact that when I was younger I didn't really have a power meter so I learned to ride on feeling and then the last year my first year <coughs> first year in Belgium when I rode for a club team I didn't have a power meter it was just training on feeling and doing efforts and racing and yeah, no numbers. Just timed efforts, so yeah, I'll just, go out just, here, yeah, just and minute. then just like little high rate things every now and again. Mm. And then my first year on Ampost, which was a continent, we didn't have power meters, and that was like oh, I thought that's something that I was really going to have this year, and blah blah blah. But I didn't miss it. I wasn't like oh big stress. It was just like right, okay, I'll just go racing again. It's just like last year, but it's a bit bigger, and it was nice because you never had to look at a number. Um, what what were the coaches feed off in that situation? We we um, so the first kind of few months at Ampost, I didn't get a coach in, and at first I turned up to the first French race, and it was a one day in Marseille. And it's called Marseille. It kicks off every year, and it was like I got was dropped on, I think the last climb and then but which was like 30k towards the finish and then ended up you know not DNFing but a long way down it was like oh flipping it right this is a this is a waiting call and then I remember one of the lads he was like oh I'm not feeling not feeling too well like, right there's an opportunity here I think you're know, going home and I'm going to go to Besage which is a four day race and I remember just, just turning up in Besage and it was like right okay so there's a time trial here and a few road stages. I remember the road stages being fast, but I remember being jumpy in them. And then one day we had like, you set off in this little town and then you went straight up 
this climb and it was just like there was a front group and there was a second group and the second group was like not too far off the front group but I was in the second group I was like actually yeah. as a young rider this is quite good there's no yeah. there's not many other young riders around which are you know 19 years old I think which I was at yeah I was still 19 at that time and it was like oh, you know it's going it's going well and then it came to the second to last stage and I remember one of the riders saying on the radio, I was like, oh, we've got no one in the breakaway. Scotty, you need to jump now. I remember jumping. And I thought, I'll catch these guys in seconds, I'll be there. And I just remember riding, I was like, why can't I see him? Why can't I see him? And <laughs> anyone else, I'm sure, in that situation from that from our team at that time would have gone, right, I've tried. And it was just like, no, I need to get there. Because I was like, this is life or death. If I don't get there, then... You've been told yeah. to get there, so you got to get yeah. there. Yeah, and it wasn't team manager, it was another rider. And it was just that fact of, all right, listen to my teammates, they want me in the breakaway, mm. I'll get there. And I remember a team manager coming up to me, and he was just a bit like, oh, you know, I really want to continue with this effort. And he, he even said to me, it was like, I thought you were never going to get there. And I remember another rider joining me, I was like, oh. Like, I was kept getting time checks and it was getting a bit lower, a bit lower, a bit lower, but they just took the, a big gap out straight away and pressed on. And I was like, right, I can still get there. And I remember another, another rider coming across and it was like, right, well, we'll work together now. And I remember him giving me a couple of turns and it just being like weak. I was like, right, here we go, back on my own again. I'll use him for 20 seconds to yeah. sit on. And I remember we got there. And I was like, going through a race, going through a race. I was like, right, hold on. Matey boy who came across from me, he's dropped. We're now into the last 5k, or whatever, or the last 20k. The peloton's there, but it's not coming quick. Right, we've got another lap of this to do. Seems to be climbing pretty well. It's a finish that, I'd rather finish on the flat, but it finished on the climb. Right, okay, I'll deal with that when I come to it. I'm in a good position anyway. I mean, I've done my job. I just remember just, being on the flat and just I've always been strong on the flat I was just giving it and giving it with like a bunch of climbers and it wasn't it wasn't stupid of me at all to do it because we stayed away and I remember coming fifth on that stage and the manager just turned out to me he was like what are you <laughs> like just from this little kid who nearly missed his first training camp because yeah, I didn't have a flight booked or anything, and it was like it was one of those things that I came to the team late, and yeah, yeah, I oh they had all my kit and everything, but it was just yeah, I nearly missed the first training camp because of one just just an error somewhere. Yeah, um, and yeah, someone had made a phone call literally two days before training camp, and it was lucky that we knew one of the Swan or a friend of mine knew one of the Swan years from the team. So oh yeah, we have training camp in a couple of days in Calpers. Like, really just like right okay looks like this is all happening I remember being the most nervous guy ever just like turning up into this team a few Irish lads which were, we were lucky really because they were mostly my age and yeah. then yeah a few of the older guys who come from bigger teams which was like a bit daunting but yeah and then it just sort of it grew from there like the day after I remember I did the TT I was like I've never rode this TT I've rode it once for half an hour yeah and yeah, they didn't even bring a TT bike for me because it was supposed to be someone else coming here. So, you know, they had spares in the back, but it wasn't set up for me because I hadn't had time anywhere to set it up. 
And I just remember jumping on his bike and just catching my minute man straight away. And it was wow. just like, right, what's going on here? And it was only a short time travel, but because it set off on the flight, it was literally up, hairpin, down, and then it finished on the climb. And I remember catching my minute man before the climb, which was like seven or eight K. I'd just gone out with that like front on set on it and mm. was like, right, I get to the climb and then it's done, like it doesn't matter. And I ended up I ended up being like third young rider or whatever and decent reasonable placing on G C and stuff and it was like okay and after that it's it's a long story for the coaching bit but that was off like my own back and off the back of the coaching off the training camp I guess. Yeah. And then I went back to doing my my own thing and it was just yeah, you come into those early season classic races in Belgium where quick step turn up and everything and you're like oh hold on a minute I'm still 19 yeah which yeah if you look at Remco I don't think he's that fussed but I'm not Remco at the yeah. end of the day and I, I wasn't I was, off, yeah. yeah and I wasn't at that age um, so yeah it went it started getting a bit lumpy and I did a bit with GB and stuff and I wasn't going bad in like under 23 stuff so like, I just remember like we went to Zealand and uh, ZLM tour I remember I was just being in a crosswind and everyone went right and I just went left and rode to the front of the group and I was like I've got strength yeah. but I'm just not showing it in races with handpost if it's because the level's higher or what and I remember doing some stuff which was like you know the strength's there but it's not showing itself and there's a story about that that went to France and a guy was looking after was in the yellow and he crashed and we were two minutes down on a peloton on a 90k rolling stage which was like normally wouldn't suit or in that point of the year didn't suit me very well yeah and I rode there was five groups on the road and I rode from last guy in the race to group five to group four to group three to group two dropped everyone in those groups other than my team leader and then rode my team leader back to group one. It was like two minutes behind. Yeah. I was like, right, I've obviously got strength. Why can't I put it to a place where I could actually yeah. use it for myself? Yeah. And then, yeah, it started going a bit bumpy after that again. I was, then it probably became more mental. It was like, right, I'm going crap. It's, it's no yeah. good. And then I started getting, did some tests with a coach and sort of got going back a, back a bit again, but. I never really because I knew my own feelings I always listened to myself and it, yeah. I'd always have an input with my coaches and if there was a coach where it didn't accept my input then it'd just be like right okay okay right okay and just tell them that I was doing something and although they can check all your training it mm. it always went better when I had a little bit of advice but could do my own thing right yeah so it was it, coaching's always been down to you know tell them what to do but I'll tell you how I feel yeah and if I can go out and complete that effort then I'll do it but if I go out and feel rubbish and can't complete that effort then I'll tell you yeah and I'll tell you that I don't think that that's the right thing for me yeah and if you come back to this year that yeah I do now probably more more puncher efforts I don't really do long long efforts mm. um, and that seems to work just with strength and comfortable in the time that I've got after work and won't say keeps me ticking over, but yeah, keeps me, keeps me going. How long is that that bunch there for? Then are we talking like two minutes? Um, so I'll do anything minutes? really with all the climbs around here. Yeah, 
you can go longest one longest effort that you can do really is 11, 11 to 12 minutes up chicken farm up right, uh, yeah. Cow, where yeah from bottom of, yeah but yeah because bottom of um, bridge to almost got that plateau in downhill Sorry, yeah um, yeah because on um, first you got that yeah, yeah, initial yeah. kick but then you got a little yeah so it's um it's not a bad one bottom of own bridge but it's just that fact it's got that plateau in it's yeah. like you get going it's like it's oh, oh, touch too easy yeah, yeah yeah and yeah almost is, if you get up there on the wrong day you get blown over the side of it don't yeah. you as much as that climbs always there i don't use it do you not use it a lot no i don't i used to do it when i was younger i think that's what cracked me it was like sometimes i got there five times that'd be my training right go on, i'm going up moss five times right i'll go up it six times I think I just ended up doing it so much knowing that it actually, like, I climbed better from it. Mm. Just doing that repetitive climbing, but I was like, I'm done with this climb. Mm. Absolutely done with it. And it sounds like you're a big rider who, you you kind of believe a lot in mental well-being. And I imagine riding five, six times at Omos is probably the most yeah, moralising thing you could Yeah, it is now, yeah. I think, although some, if anyone follows me, on Strava, they'll see that most of my routes are the same this year. Just because I've got that two-hour loop, and yeah, I changed like a few things, like a couple of roads here and there. But it is based around the village, and the reason for it is because if I go further away and something happens, and it's like right, I've got waste of training. What am I going to do now? If I if I'm an hour away from here, and a puncher and I put new tube, and then that goes down, oh, there's something I can't fix. And right, hold on. Someone's going to come and pick me up this is half yeah. an hour. Dad taxi. Dad taxi. Then I've got half an hour back or he brings me a spare wheel. Yeah. Right, that's half an hour sat about. Don't want to be getting ill or cold or anything or fried because then that's really going to ruin the season. What do we do? Right, stay around village. Yeah. Anything happens, I'm always 10 minutes from home or something. Can ride back or whatever. Or most problems or someone can get me a wheel pretty quickly. Yeah. Or... A, my spare bike or whatever and then training's not done and it helped also a lot in the beginning of the year with the mountain biking that I was doing like different days so I go out on road then I go out on mountain bike and then do a couple of days on mountain bike and yeah. then a couple of days on road but yeah now it's because it's been going better and better on the road which I never if you asked me at the beginning of the year it was like Oh, I'm going to be one of those guys in the peloton. Hey, I've got a job, lads. Hey, I've got a job. Oh, I'm going to go to work tomorrow and stuff like that. And I haven't done it all year. And I was really looking forward to it, strangely enough. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I'd love to be one of those people that could just do, go around and say that. And then it was just like, the clickers like, oh, actually, I actually don't want to be that. Yeah. I was like, I don't want to come across as one of those people. I don't see why. Yeah. Having a job should. All right. My, some people might see it like there's some people that spoke to me it's like I have to do it I don't understand yeah there's some people that speak to me that don't believe I actually have a job <laughs> there's a lot of people that say oh you don't work yeah it's like no I do seriously I do um oh yeah but you've got you're you work in a bike shop it can't be that hard yeah but I'm on my feet all day yeah it stood up I'm guessing yeah it's not sat down in a chair which yeah. I couldn't do I couldn't sit down in a chair and work on a computer that's just me I need yeah. to be out or something with a bit of fresh air or yeah. stood up doing something with my hands or hands on. Um, but yeah it was like I always thought I could use that excuse oh yeah at the beginning of the year I don't know why it was just like I don't know if it was just a little bit of myself saying right relax mm. because you know whatever you're doing this year 
And then I went from relaxing to being more relaxed because I was like, oh, actually, I'm going good. And there is probably a fact here that everyone's going to the Tour of Britain next week. I am going to be the only rider there with... I know one of my teammates work, teammates work Pete, Pete Williams works, one of the other lads goes to uni, and another lad goes to uni, and we're probably the team where, you know, most riders have something else to do. But, yeah, there's, there won't be definitely another team there, I don't think, or... Mm. many other people there that have a job do you think it, it's striking that balance then of yeah you might you might have been at work for five six hours on your feet but then you know that that one two hour block is going to be just real quality yeah so it's little it's little goals like mostly around here on a good day you average 26 27 and then I remember just riding one night I was like oh that minute Nearly done, I've done 30k in an hour here. Why can't I do 60k in two hours? I just remember just jumping on that in my mind and just being like, right, I need to think about pacing this climb because if you go over this climb, yeah, just yeah. like getting into a race mentality where yeah. it's like, oh, I'm going to blow up here if I don't do that. And it's just setting, just little things that just pop into yeah. my head which are like, right, I can do this. Or that's a climb, he's got this Strava or whatever. Yeah. I'm going after that. And it's not to prove I'm. Billy Big Nuts or whatever you want to say, if you could put that in a different way. Um, it's just that, right, there's a goal there. Might be a fun goal, it might be a miss. Mentally breaking yeah. down for you. Yeah, it's exactly, yeah. Than anything. yeah. So, if I can get that, then I've you know, I've had a good night. I've got yeah. a good, yeah, well, it is. It's a good evening out. Yeah. It's not your standard evening where you're going down to a pub drinking beer. But I've had a good evening out training. Yeah. <laughs> and it's the little goal that I've accomplished, which is a step in the right direction of in racing or believing that I can climb better and most of your strivers are on climbs especially around here um, I think that's helped a lot this year with climbing every other year I've just be like yeah I can't climb can't climb and I remember a lot of people come to me that are not necessarily around here but a lot of people yeah around here there's a few lads that come and say I can't climb and I remember thinking when I was younger I was like what are you on about you can't climb I was like you live in this village where the only way is up because if you ride into Huddersfield then there's something wrong with you <laughs> but yeah the only the only way is up and with a wind it's nearly like if you're getting an headwind around here it is like you're climbing you might be on the flat but it's like you're climbing and I think that was I never let's say I never didn't believe I could climb but I knew I wasn't the strongest and this year I've just believed and I had to I can't climb why can't when he's trying to drop me up a climb why can't I respond to that and funnily enough that only came in the uh, Isle of Man National Series it was like um, it was like we were going up the climb last time and I was like just jumping and it's the first time in my career that I could just ever jump on a climb and I was with climbers that would easily drop me and I remember a few people looking around in the group and actually thinking what are you doing here if we take you to the finish then we've got a sprinter here that you shouldn't be here yeah. and I just I, I, I remember doing it once twice and they got to the third and was like still feel good and I'm still in this group of guys who can climb that are known for climbing mm. and then goes again fourth time goes again fifth time and then you know my teammates in a group of three and I'm in this group of six with guys that were probably 61 kilos something like that definitely a couple of them 
did or 50 whatever I don't, I don't know the words but, but the light is yeah and some guys that you know are, are climbers but are a bit heavier but yeah. they've just got that build and but don't necessarily have that kick kick in the end and yeah that was like oh, something's still going well here so it's just like little things all oh yeah it's just like hold on a minute and I don't know it worries me that it's not a worry but it's strange to think that when I go back to being a full-time rider, no matter where it is, because it'll happen, I'm pretty sure of it, will I still have the same? And that's why I think now my ambition needs to grow from... Um, I'm not saying it needs to grow because it's already grown. I don't want to be... This is, this is me that I don't want to be in a continental team. Mm. I don't see myself in a continental team for the rest of cycling. There will become a point where if I stay in a continental team, I imagine I'll just go, right, I'm giving it a good shot and thanks for coming. I've got an ambition to be pro-continental, be world tour, and I've got an ambition when I get there, I want to do races like Roubaix, Flanders, Amstel Gold, which suit, you know, the kind of all-round abilities. Yeah. Love to do a Tour de France love to do you know a world champ somewhere love to do a world champs in Yorkshire but don't think that's going to come this year mm. unless something mega happens in Tour of Britain but then it's only got a week Yeah, and I don't think the team's going to change in a week for some reason I'm pretty sure it's already picked but um, yeah I want to be yeah doing all those all those races and then when I get there I'll decide I don't just want to ride these races I actually want to you know in time be a respected rider where mm maybe I can go for a result and it worries me that my best year has been working just have to keep your job at Albion then won't yeah you? exactly yeah <laughs> <laughs> which could be interesting but um, no it's uh, I think that's what I say to a lot of people look if I can do it this year with I think finding that mental ability that I cannot be beaten of yeah you can be beaten in a bike race but it shouldn't mean that you can shouldn't mean that you go home and be beaten or which is what always happened previously or it doesn't mean that you should go home and think oh now I need to sit on the sofa for a few days and not talk to anyone or whatever not enjoy it and you know I realised that I'd probably change a lot of my last years of doing what I did where sitting on the sofa or whatever and go out and actually do something just relax just take that relax be like right okay you know next race is then got a few days can have an easy day doing you know just easy day mentally walking around the city somewhere or yeah. on a beach somewhere you know in the summer or doing whatever it doesn't it really matter just doing something other than sat on a sofa do you feel like you need to to live a bit more whereas in the past yeah I think maybe. that's what I got because it was so like you know you rest focused like yeah, I need to sit down brought up I need into to that do nothing being a professional rider and mm. the say on it is you know that all these professional riders do do that which I imagine a lot of them do like you know a lot of them are pretty doomed from trading but I think some of the teams that I'm definitely have aspirations to go to I think they see also that you know life isn't all about that and definitely a lot of coaches see it as well like they're happy that a rider's experience of a side of life because they realise that if a rider gets too caught up in things that they don't get the best performance out 
And if you don't get best performance out of a rider, then it's pointless and being in a team. So I'd change a lot from my previous years in cycling. I'd definitely live life a lot more, yeah. It feels like you must have, you've kind of evolved to this point though. Maybe if you'd have done this yeah, exactly, approach yeah. a few years ago, it might not have been the same outcome. No. But it's totally I think I'm glad, now. yeah, I'm glad that if someone would have turned around this year and said, would you swap it and go and get some money in a professional team somewhere? So no, no way, not for the experience that I've learned this year of having a job actually, going through things and sort of coming, I'm not going to say coming out the other side of it just yet, but coming to a point where even what happens at the end of this year, that the people that have stayed close to me up go, you know, I have a lot of people going to the shop that know me that say, you're having a fantastic year. And then they'll just watch me go and fix a bike. <laughs> and it's like... Struggle getting yeah, tired on. Yeah, something like that, yeah. Um, but yeah, I think there's definitely a lot of people that are quite proud of what I've done this year. From boss at Albion who's given me a job, you know. Could have also gone south for him if, you know, I hadn't been performing or whatever. And just so oh, I'm quite happy working here mm-hmm. and blah, blah, blah. And yeah, I think... That's definitely one person that's it's going to be like, you know, thanks for... It's part of the process. Yeah, 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 and yeah. Yeah. And that's, you know, that supporters, that's like mum and dad as well, thanks for, you know. It sounds yeah. like you've put a lot of support into yourself as well as the people around you there. And yeah, I think like so, yeah. I think just a lot, of, a, lot of pe- a lot of things fell into place in December where it was like, yeah, I'd have, I'd have, I'd have loved to have stayed in Belgium for a, for a number of reasons but it's it was need to do the best of myself don't want to give up on cycling and what will be will be and as long as I can come away from this year saying I've tried I've given it my all and I'm not going to say I've left no stone unturned because I could have gone the opposite way this year and decided that I shouldn't be living life or I should have locked myself away and, you know, put my feet up on the sofa every evening when I get home or mm. whatever, but I don't I don't do that because I realise that there's more to it. And I think if and when now I can go to a place in cycling where I really want to be and you know, there's that other stuff of financial benefits to go with that and there's that other stuff of I'm in that place where I want to be and you get the training camps and you get looked after and the bikes come and everything and the race calendar comes and then you've got ambitions from that and you can stay comfortable in a team with a two year or a three year contract I think I'll grow even further but that's what I want now, I don't want to don't want to sit and wait for it in a way I'm 20, 24 next year 25 and I think the fact is that yeah I want to I want to grow in cycling and I have ambitions to to do something in the sport if, if it's no one ever just wants to be a domestique but I'd rather be in a team or a winning team than not being a winning team you want to go as high as you can. Yeah, exactly, yeah. And feel if, fulfilled as well, if, I think. If 
you're in a team no matter what pro continental world tour and I think it happens more in one days in a way than stage races um, but if a teammate wins something like Roubaix or you know one of the big one day classics and you know you've been a part of that and if you've got a job that you deliver someone to the final climb of the race or you deliver someone into so many cobble sectors and then that's your job done then you know you've done something I think that's a beauty cycle and that's what I want to be a part of as well as maybe yeah sometimes have my own chance but I know that I'm not just going to walk into a team as the guy that I am with you know might have had a, a win this year nearly two wins but I'm not going to walk into a team and do that I need to earn that place and yeah show people that I actually can can party so yeah it'd be a uh, It'd be nice when it when it comes. I think, yeah. Wait, wait to see to see when, if, and how it presents itself. Awesome. Thanks very much, Jake. I think I think we'll wrap it up there. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no really appreciate it. Thanks, thanks very much for giving up time this evening. No worries. Is it back to work tomorrow morning then? Yeah. <laughs> oh no, no day off tomorrow. Day off. Training then or rest day? Training. I've got a lot to do tomorrow. Jake Scott from Swift Cam Pro Cycling thank you very much mate cracking